chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I stand here before you this morning with uh, a suit of clothes on. feeling naked I feel like that I have been prepared by the Lord to say the things that I'm going to say this morning a lot of things that I don't know. But I have come to know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have also come to know that I am very deeply fallen. And finally, I have also come to know that I am greatly loved and restored. That, I believe, is the level of self-esteem that God wants every one of us to come to. I don't speak as a model. I speak as one of your siblings. So for your sake, I am going to make myself vulnerable today. with proper boundaries and, and some of you are looking at me like that I'm going to confess some terrible sin to you. You can just sigh relief right now. I'm not about to do such things. But I will be the best that I can. Real. I feel dwarfed in the presence of these great men of God standing around this place today. I uh, am so honored to be one, not only among these preachers, but I'm glad to be a saint of God. I'm glad to be in his body. I thank God for the opportunity to speak to you. I realize it is an honor. I didn't put myself here. But I have a higher priority than speaking to you. 
in my life, I have a higher priority. Right now, speaking to you is very, very important. But in my life, being a convention speaker or a sponsor for this meeting is not the highest priority. The church in Bell Gardens that I pastor means more to me than this. I wouldn't sacrifice that for this. I love the people I pastor. But they are not the highest thing of priority to me. I have a wife and two daughters over here that mean more to me than the church that I pastor. One of our daughters, the Lord gave us at birth. The other one, when she turned 16, same God, same giver. So there's no difference between them. As far as my wife and I and God are concerned, they're our daughters. Outside of the Holy Ghost, the greatest life, the greatest gift that God has given me is that beautiful blonde-headed woman standing right over there. whom in just a few days will have been my wife for 20 years. But they are not the most important thing in my life. They are second. First before you, before Life Tabernacle, before my precious girls and my beautiful wife. I love him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are now in Romans 8, verse 35, verse 38, and verse 39. The things that I'm going to say this morning are the result of my experiences 
over the last few years. And really for life, I suppose, but more particularly in the last couple of years, last three years, more specifically. That doesn't mean anything to you, but to me, it means something. I heard Brother A.D. Spears speak about some of the things that I will be ministering here this morning by the help of the Lord. I plan to say some of the things he said, at least just a few remarks here in the beginning. Verse number 35 of Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Now, just before you're seated, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 8, verse 20. Jeremiah, chapter number 8, verse number 20. The harvest is past, and the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt, everybody say hurt. Everybody, if you would please, say hurt. For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt. I am black. Astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? If I understand this context properly, there is bomb. There is a physician. But why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? simply this morning from my heart to yours. Why is the daughter still sick? Why is the daughter still sick? Lord Jesus, we've come and been granted the request that just 11 months ago six of us made in the motel room in Los Angeles we asked you at that time to show us your glory in this conference thank you thank you and everybody say in Jesus name you may be seated
Romans 12 says we need a renewing the renewing is needful in the mind we must be renewed in our minds not conformed to the world but renewed in our minds and then in Romans Paul mentioned some things that would have the potential of separating us from the love of Christ as we read that I'm not sure here in America if we are all going to be put in a position where some of these things would threaten our walk with God barring some major turn in events which is certainly possible in our insecure world I doubt that most of us in this building will ever experience the shame of nakedness resulting from poverty. We seem to be well clothed and in our right minds this morning. We are in America. It doesn't seem that famine is some sort of imminent danger to us. We all look well fed. And some of you that are on the thin side, I'm sure that you have plenty. You are just blessed with something that I lost somewhere in my life and that was enough metabolism to neutralize the intake of food that I so much enjoy and all the fat preachers say amen It doesn't seem to me like that uh, we are a greatly persecuted people. Matter of fact, the world seems to be caught, so caught up in, in the idea of just doing their thing that they don't seem to want to waste much, much energy on us. And in order to make themselves more comfortable, they have even reached out at least in some respects, and embraced us and tolerated us and allowed us to rent their convention centers and stay in their nicest motels and so on. There is a word in this verse that I am concerned about 
in our culture, in our state, in our land, in the city where I pastor, in my own life that has threatened my walk with God. That is the word distress. Sometimes I feel like there is from every angle something oppressing my mind. Something attacking my mind. The word distress means anguish of mind. Anguish of body. As I stood on this platform preparing to address you, the Lord, I believe, allowed my mind to go back to some months in times past when I was in my living room in the wee hours of the morning, when my family was in bed and the lights were out in the house. And I was a man in anguish of mind and body. And I cried, God, couldn't you have somebody somewhere right now call me and tell me you still love me? But the phone didn't ring. The word distress means trouble. 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 It's a state of desperate need. Now, I'm no fool. They say what is most personal is most general. And you can sit there however you want to sit there this morning. But you know what I'm talking about. Most of you have been there. Some of you are there right now. And if you're not there, or have not been there, just hang on. Just hang on. If he loves you. And if your mother was a woman, it will happen to you. Because a man is born of a woman and a few days and full of trouble. Now already some of you may be a little uncomfortable with this. But we don't like to say these things because after all, we believe in one God. We are the one God people. We are the Jesus name people. Yeah. I have never, thank God, thank God, I don't say this with pride from a human standpoint, 
but with gratefulness I have never baptized anybody in water in the title Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I'm happy to be a, a Jesus name baptizer, preacher. But after all, we're the people that talk in tongues. I feel like Paul this morning. I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than y'all. I'm not in competition with you, but I, I believe in talking in tongues. Yeah. See, I was dedicated by one God preacher to the Lord when I was two weeks old. My grandmother graced the steps of the Oneness Pentecostal Church in our area in 1939. My father, my birth mother, my stepmother, all were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues. I grew up in a church of preachers. My pastors were preachers. They taught me the difference in preaching and Bible study and taught me to love both. Why talk about weakness? <laughs> you get kind of close to sin there, aren't you, Brother Walden? Kind of, kind of, you know. You know what we need? After being baptized in the name of Jesus and baptized in the Holy Ghost, we need a baptism in Pentecost of good old-fashioned honesty. We make out like nothing's wrong when we are hurting. And I'm going to say several things today, but I, 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 wanna, I would like to say this. And if you forget that I said it and then make something else out of what I say later, uh, it's your fault you didn't buy the tape and remember it. I shouldn't have to come back and repeat myself several times. After all, every time I have to repeat myself because of you, your dinner is that much farther away from you. I believe in boundaries. I believe everybody needs good boundaries. I haven't always had good boundaries in my life, but the Lord has helped me to get to the place that I'm improving. You don't need to tell everybody everything. Some people, if they have a thought, in order to feel righteous, they gotta tell everybody the thought they had. That stirred up a lot of church trouble through the years. Caused a lot. 
But here we have a lot of friends. I'm so happy to be your friend this morning. I just, I'm a huggy kind of guy, and I just, I wish I could just reach out and just hug the whole bunch of you at once. But I'm not going to stand up here and tell you every problem I've ever had in my life and every, and every thought I've ever had come across my mind. As much liberty is granted in this pulpit, if I got too much in that area, there would be five other men towering over me, ushering me off of this platform this morning. But out from you, then there are, then there are, a, there is a smaller circle that we fellowship, and you can't run with everybody. You ever get around these syrupy guys that you want to run with everybody? Come on, let's all go out to eat. Let's just everybody go. Can you build a restaurant big enough for all of us? I mean, Brother Morton, I'm from West Texas. That's the way we did it. We just, the, the more the merrier. My dad was happy if there was somebody sleeping in every square foot. Seemed like he always took his bed, though. And my father-in-law over here, Brother Webb, would you stand? That is one of the greatest men I've ever known. But he sings an old song about, you better watch your close friend. Your enemies cannot harm you. The song says. He says, your friends, your close friends, I don't have the words up here, but they'll, they'll let you tell your secrets. And they'll act like they were glad. And never say nothing about it until you make them mad. So I believe in good boundaries. Don't you look at me so piously. You're just like me. And I want to tell you, when God gave me that revelation, I felt better about myself. I was thinking about the fire of Brother Morton. And then I thought about the brilliance of Brother Wilson and the efficiency of Brother Bo, the smoothness of Brother Keyes, and the countryness of Brother Booker. And I felt like the only normal one.
I believe there is a form of dishonesty in Pentecost that is causing confusion in us. It's causing confusion in the body of Christ. And is causing us to become self-destructive. You see, when your mind is confused, and this world is, is, is the epitome of a confused mind, when the men that are the highest rank and order in this government can sit and judge a man over some comment that he was supposedly making 10 years ago, And one of those men that was so vehemently opposed to Judge Thomas made the statement, this was in the paper so it's already public, just so I won't get sued here. I'm sure somebody will tell him I said that. You never know who you might intimidate. But he said, if you believe Judge Thomas, I got a bridge I'd like to talk to you about. <laughs> and the, the commentator that was writing about that said, uh, sometimes confessions come in the most peculiar ways. We are a confused society when the men can leave their place of judgment and go and do things much worse. And you know the truth is there's no telling what Judge Thomas has done. But which one of them is without sin? Let him catch the first stone. And I try not to listen to things like Brother Bo was saying this morning too much. I need enough of it to I try to smell it. You know, it's good cologne. It's good to smell of it. It's just not good to ingest it. And so I didn't want to take too much of that in or else God would have to take it out. But I appreciate the statement he made. As much as he knows, he thought I was a Christian because he doesn't know. I think I know. I want to be. You know I'm not going to get up here at PSR and say anything different than that, don't you? But he knows. He knows. See, I can look back over here and I say, well, he is and he is and... Sometimes they get up to preach and we don't know them, so we, we get our little test tubes out. We're going to decide if they're worth, worth listening to. Does he cross every T I cross and dot every I I dot? But the Bible said, before every man's own master, he standeth or falleth. It's not you I really have to please. It's not my family that I have to please. I have to please him. Brother White just preached an eloquent message to us. We don't even have to please ourselves. 
Shakespeare's writing said to thine own self be true but I want to tell you the word of God said to God be true to God be true the psychologist will tell you to be true to yourself if you want to leave your wife leave her you want to be a homosexual be one if that's what you want to be just be what you are but oh friend god's word said be what i want to make you if we're the one god jesus name holy ghost tongue talking holiness believing if somebody asked me if i believe what brother morton preached last night every bit of it No room for arrogance here this morning. When you get in the glory, nobody. Gets to share in that. And if some of you younger ones are looking at me and you're thinking, oh, he's up at the conference. Now the way I know this is because I used to think this way. But, uh, you know, he's up there. I want to be like him. Or if I could be used of God like that. I don't know, you know, how much you would say that about poor little me up here. But I'll tell you this. When you hurt enough, it don't matter. When When you've cried enough and hurt enough, There's nothing to boast about. There's nothing to feel arrogant. Until you've traveled life's journey long enough to learn that lesson, you don't ever deserve to, or should be in one of these pulpits. That's why Paul said, don't let the man be a novice. And I'll just tell you, there's some things that only come with living. You can listen to every man that's ever preached. You can listen to tapes around the clock. You can get ahead with your hunger and your thirst. But there's some things you'll never get until you've lived a while. You've got to have elders in your life. There's a man right back over there that is my elder. There's other men in this place, but Brother Paul Price is my elder. I listen to this man. Brother Price, if you think that I don't, I want you to come and tell me because I want to listen to you. I, don't, I, don't, I believe God gave you to my life. I don't think it was your choice nor mine. I believe God gave you to my life. Yeah. But if we're the one God, Jesus name, folks, why do I have people calling me on the telephone all the time? saying, Pastor, I need to talk to you. If we're the one God, Jesus' name, folks, and we believe in one God, and we believe in new birth, and we believe in holiness, why are there divorces in our churches? Why is there so much adultery and fornication in Pentecost? 
Isn't there balm in Gilead? Isn't there a physician in the house? And we get frustrated with people. Reason I know this because I've done this. Because after we preached to them and after we sent them to the prayer room and after we put them on a 30-day fast, they still got problems. Why are they still calling me? A lot of this frustration is because we don't know what to do with it. Did you ever see good people have problems? Do you run off everybody that ever has a problem in your church? They commit adultery, do you run them off? If they lie, do you run them off? If they make a mistake, if they sin, do you get rid of them? Do you excommunicate them? I'm not talking about blatant, rebellious, living in sin and waltzing it into the church and, 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 and parading it in front of the people and putting it in leadership like was going on in, in the Corinthian church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about good people. I'm talking about honest people. I'm talking about people that love God. You say, well, if they love God, they wouldn't sin then there's not a one of us in this building that love God. Why is the daughter still sick? Not every problem that we encounter has spiritual roots to it. Sometimes people walk in and they give us a problem. We prescribe some sort of treatment. And the problem may not have a thing to do with their spiritual state, where they are in God. I want to tell you something that I, I'm learning about people's spirituality and about my own. Is that spirituality, a person's walk with God does not fluctuate at the rate of our moods and our emotional swings. You know... Sometimes people, they, um, they've been working all day. They've been, didn't get enough sleep last night, went to work. The boss man beat up on them all day. Their peers gave them a hard time on the job. They were cussed out 14 times. 
They drank enough coffee to kill them. Ate so many sweets, their blood sugar is higher than the Empire State Building. Yeah. They got teenagers in their house. Nothing wrong with being a teenager. Just hard to be parents. Reason, I think, is because we have so many problems of our own. As parents, we can't really listen to our teenagers. That's free. That didn't cost you nothing. Deduct that from the cost of the tape, would you? You know, there's, there's a certain time of the month that we men have every month. Now, the only reason I know this is because this is what my wife tells me. <laughs> of course, I think she's got the problem, but she says it's mine. And you come to church like that, you know? It's your time. And we look back there and we say, Huh? Hadn't been praying. How long has it been since you fasted? Come on, worship God. We take, I mean, we preachers sometimes, we take that stuff personal. I mean, boy, I... Bless God, you got a devil tonight, and I'm going to get your devil. Why don't we all just come down to earth? and understand that there's more to life than praying and fasting. There's more to life than talking in tongues. There's more to life than going to PSR conference, general conference, camp meetings, fellowship meetings. Oh, that was back in the old days, but anyway. Where'd that come from? Some of you just took my card away from me right then. The preacher said there's, we could have a problem besides spiritual? Well, they get the Holy Ghost in Los Angeles where I pastor. And it don't solve all their emotional problems. Right then. 
If it did, pastors, you would be out of a job. I believe that we produce a spirit of confusion in people when we make them think that when they are shouting on Sunday night and they come in and are not shouting on Wednesday night that there's something wrong with them. The truth of the matter is it's Wednesday night. They've been to work Monday. problem we go to bed too late and get up too early we eat too much we run too fast we fellowship too much I want to tell you it's through desire that a man separated himself and intermeddled with all wisdom a man that looks across the room and sees the attractive young lady Instead of trying to get her off away from her husband or get her off in some corner somewhere so he can talk to her about things he shouldn't be talking to her about, he needs to get off to himself and spend some time with his manhood. He needs to go look at the brook flow for a while and, and fall in love with a flower and a tree. The sound of the ocean, he needs to be alone. He needs to get in touch with himself and his God. If not every problem is spiritual, then why, why do we give aspirins to people that have tumors? I love you. I hope you still love me. But whether you do or don't, it's enough to know that Jesus loves me. See, there's some people that have backslid out of our churches, not because they love sin. Now, Demas left Paul because he loved the present world. There are some people like that. I'll tell you something else. I believe there, are, there is a, such a thing as evil people. There are evil men and evil. The Bible talked about them. They're evil. And you need to listen to the Holy Ghost in your spirit when you're with someone like that. That's not pronouncing judgment. That's being true to your walk with God. But there are people that backslide not because they love sin, not because they love the world, but because they were hurting. 
and they didn't have anywhere to go with their pain. Their mind became confused and distressed. Anguish of mind, anguish of body. Separated them from the love of Christ. Shall distress? Read Job 13, verse 4 and 5. But ye are all forgers of lies. Ye are all physicians of no value. Huh. Oh, that ye would all together hold your peace. Nah, Job, we're going to fix you up, son. <laughs> we know what your problem is. You've you been, you been, you been doing some things on the side. In West Texas, we used to say on the sly. You, you've been doing some things. <laughs> Everybody thought you were, you were the, the, the epitome of, of righteousness in this area. But uh, we know now. We know now you have problems, son. And we have come to, to tell you all about why you have this problem. He said, you know what you are? You're a bunch of forger of lies. You are physicians of no value. Right. Sometimes it helps me to pray and sometimes it doesn't. I hear that. Sometimes a fast will help me and sometimes a fast doesn't do me any good except make me hungry, which really don't hurt me either. Oh, what you need to do is you need to get this tape and you need to go listen to this tape. Sometimes the tape won't help me. Sometimes the church service won't help me. Sometimes the conference won't help me. Some of you have been here all week. There's been a move of God and there's been glory in this place and you are sitting while I'm preaching under so much condemnation. You feel like, what's wrong with me? Everybody else is getting blessed. Everybody else has been crying. Everybody else is worshiping. Everybody else on fire. I can't feel anything. What's wrong with me? And the devil's beating your head in the dirt because you, he's making you feel like you're some kind of sinner. Look, brother. Look, sister. I'm telling you, there's bomb in Gilead. There's a physician in this house. You don't have to be sick anymore. Read 1 Thessalonians 5.23, please. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Yes. I'm sorry, I didn't put that right. on there. I got it. And the very God of peace. The God of peace? Sanctify. Everybody say the God of peace. What's he going to do? Sanctify you holy. Sanctify you holy. And I pray God. Pray God. Your whole spirit. Whole spirit. And soul. And soul. And body. And body. Be preserved. Blameless. Be preserved blameless. Unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say God wants us to be whole. Whole. Do you know that we're not Trinitarians? He isn't a one-third Savior. 
He's not a two-thirds savior. He's a whole savior. When Jesus went to Calvary, he saved your whole body, mind, and soul. Hallelujah. The Bible said that concerning my physical condition, what was it? Stripes. The stripes. Is that part of salvation? Yes, it is. With his stripes, we were healed. Oh, he's a whole savior. He's a whole savior. I'm telling you, there's a physician in the house this morning. I said, there's a physician in the house this morning. He's a whole savior. When he went to Calvary, he took all of your physical problems with him to Calvary. Yeah. The scripture says that he was bruised for our iniquities. All of my sins, all of my spiritual struggles, all of my carnality, he took with him to Calvary. And the chastisement of my peace was upon him my emotional condition my emotional deprivations all of my my struggles all of my fears all of my my, my sadness all of my sorrow all of the chastisement of my peace he took with him to calvary he's a whole savior he's a whole savior praise god hallelujah but God doesn't save you all the way only exclusively in the prayer room and with fasting and with Bible reading and with church services that don't solve it all if it does don't ever call your pastor again and ask him for help. Don't ever go to a friend and tell them about a problem that you're having. Pastors, don't schedule any meetings with saints to talk about problems. Don't talk to them on the phone. Don't stand up around the front and, and talk to them after church about something that they're going through. Because we're feeding the wrong thing if prayer and fasting and reading the Bible and going to church hearing preaching is all there is to it not minimizing those things I'm saying we need a baptism of honesty I want to tell you what Jesus Christ wants to do in our lives is bring us into wholeness that only comes in the working out of the image of God within us. When Adam and Eve fell, we all were there with them. And we all fell with them. The fall affected all of who we are. It affected my mind. It affected my soul. It affected my body. And so God begins a process 
in his salvation work, he begins a process of restoring everything that we lost in the fall. But God's way takes time. And Jesus warned us against trying to rush it too much in Matthew chapter 13 in the parable of the sower. He warned us about that, which immediately springs up and starts bringing forth because it doesn't have any root in it. You can't will yourself to grow. You can only cultivate growth. You can enhance growth by adding ingredients, ingredients and fertilizing and so on. But God's the one that gives growth. You can plant and you can water, but God gives the increase. I, uh, I feel a little pressured right now, but time. I am really trying to follow this thing. I'm just telling you about struggle I'm having. You may not be having it. I'm not accusing the congregation of anything. And I don't want to talk about things that don't need to be talked about, but I have a message that I'm, I'm to get to you today. I want you to pray with me right now. God, would you help him to give us the message you want him to give us? Thank you, Jesus. Who's he going to make to understand doctrine? Is it going to come overnight? Are you going to get all the knowledge and all the growth and all the experience overnight? 